Do you ever find yourself waiting for a big change to happen in your marriage before you can finally feel like it's a success? In this episode of the Love Lessons Podcast, we are continuing in our series of marriage myths, and we are going to uncover this false belief and show you how small, meaningful changes can have a huge impact on your relationship. It's all coming up right now on Love Lessons. Real life. Real talk. Real relationships. Faith-based tips, tricks, and challenges to improve your marriage and change your life. It's the Love Lessons Podcast with your hosts, Christian counselors and marriage experts, Dr. Zach and Blair Gammon. Hey guys, and welcome to episode six of Love Lessons. We are continuing on in marriage friends. So I have I have a bone to pick with you. Okay. So last episode we introduced dirty laundry. Right. And I have a little bit of your dirty laundry to air. Oh no. <laughs> so you had promised us that these fun facts are fun. And in reality, they've not been that much fun. So Yeah, the last two episodes have been kind of dark, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to need you to work on that. Okay, I've got one. Is it going to be Arnie soon? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So, apparently, we end a marriage ceremony with a kiss because in ancient Rome, a contract was finalized by the parties kissing. Oh, okay. Not like a handshake, like old school handshake. Right. Yeah. I'm really thankful that that is not part of our culture and tradition today. Could you imagine... <laughs> Could you imagine like going and buying a car and and after you sign the the sales contract, you've got to like make out with your sales rep? That would make it weird. Exactly. I'm glad that now we just sign stuff for like you know DocuSign or whatever it is that we do. and shake each other's hand out of respect. Right. Yeah. Right. That'd be a, a real awkward transaction. Could you imagine like going home and be like, "Well, babe, I got a really great deal." On that car today, it's because you know I, I'm a, I'm a really good kisser. So you know, you should go see my car salesman. He, he'll get you a great deal, and he's a good kisser too. He uses a breath mint first. <laughs> he's very considerate. Okay, you have redeemed yourself with that fun fact. That's really weird. Keep that energy going. That's that's where my mind goes. I don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, um, probably wondering. But but there's your there's your your fun slightly disturbing fact i think that's interesting yeah it is interesting the fact itself is interesting the ad lib that you added on after was a bit disturbing <sighs> now people are going to be thinking all day long about kissing their car salesman you're welcome you're welcome but what if you have to like i mean <laughs> that's, that's my job here you know this can go outside of of car sales as well like you can make out with your realtor oh, God. right if you work in an industry where you have to sign an employment contract, you know, like, right? Like, <laughs> how bad do you want this? Oh, that's actually sexual harassment. Never mind. Yeah. What about if you become a member in church? <laughs> so I teach our commitment class, our new member yeah, class. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not kissing the new members. Yeah. You're not kissing the new members. That's awkward. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could, well, I went to go join this church today, and I had to kiss one of the pastors. I don't know what was. was a weird tradition they had. Yeah, yeah. Something about Rome. I don't know. 
So the next myth that we have is that my ideal soulmate is out there. Hiding behind a cloud of butterflies, rainbows, and heart emojis. So whether you believe in soulmates or not, that's not really what's up for discussion here. What I really want to point out is that there's an underlying thought process that can set us up for unrealistic expectations. So if we think that our ideal soulmate is out there and we create a checklist of what we want our ideal person to have, we want them to be 6'4", washboard abs, and earn $500,000 a year and, and love their mama and, you know, whatever else. Well, shoot, I'll take that soulmate. That sounds great. <laughs> So, but if we do that, then all we're doing is creating an unrealistic checklist and we're setting ourselves up for failure because those needs are likely not going to be met. And we're focusing on the things that we want instead of focusing on the things that we can control and the things that we, that we should be working on. And so maybe that's your checklist when you're single, but not when you're married and you had an idea and a checklist of what your soulmate, your spouse is supposed to be. And the one that you've got's not living up for that to that. Well, then we get into some unrealistic thinking and we we start wondering, is the grass greener on the other side? They're not meeting my needs. I'm now focused on what they're not doing, then focus on what they are doing well. And we have a really skewed sense of perspective when we do that. The only reason the grass is greener on the other side is because there's many who are sitting on it. It's being fertilized. Exactly. By someone else. Exactly. Your grass can also be green if you would focus on putting the work into it and not work on trying to get out of it. What's not so clearly stated through all of this is that we are trying to find our happiness in another person without being content in who we are. And who we are in Christ. Exactly. And so whether or not you believe in this concept of a soulmate, God ordains marriage, right? Marriage is a means of grace that God has given to us. And so this covenant that we have entered into with another person and with God means that once we're in covenant, that is our soulmate, for lack of a better term, that that we are in this. And this goes back into every myth that we've discussed on this podcast, right? That love is a feeling that they should meet all of my needs and all you are in covenant with this person. Therefore, you are commanded per this covenant to grow in grace, to grow together in this relationship, right? Yeah. And just because you're unhappy in your own marriage does not mean the Lord's going to bring you somebody else's husband as your soulmate. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. The Holy Spirit will not guide you to somebody else's husband. So this myth is something that we see a lot in marriage counseling with a lot of couples, no matter where they are on the age spectrum or the experience, life experience spectrum or whatever. This belief that my marriage will be good if it's either like my parents' marriage or very much unlike my parents' marriage, right? If we grow up in a household that has a great marriage and mom and dad love each other and they don't fight in front of the kids and they show what healthy conflict resolution looks like and they show love to each other, then we grow up thinking, man, we might grow up thinking, man, my life really needs to look like this. My parents' marriage was so successful and so mine's going to be successful if I do just those things. things. Right. But, But that's 
Those are your parents. Those are two people in that covenant relationship with each other. You and your spouse are two other people. And so if you try to base it exactly off of what you see, you're just setting yourself up for failure because you're not going to be able to be those two people. They certainly have good things they can offer. There are certainly things that you can learn from that marriage to to want to use that as a, as a, a reference. But you can't set yourself up to succeed if you do everything just like they did. Right. And from that relationship, your parents' relationship, for example, you create belief systems and you carry those on into your relationship. And so while you might think that your parents had a great marriage and that's how you want your marriage to be, your spouse may feel very differently and they may have a very different belief system. And so if you two have very different belief systems and can't get on the same page, you've had conflict and you've got to figure out how to resolve that and how to compromise. And so you're you're kind of this myth can cause you to take on a, a belief system that can cause conflict in your relationship. Exactly. Exactly. And then we have the other end of the spectrum, right? My parents had a horrendous marriage or I had an absentee parent or my parent was married multiple times and I don't want to look like them. And so we try to go the exact opposite. And that's just as detrimental, right? Your parents might have failed, quote unquote, in a marriage, or they might have had a lot of conflict, but that doesn't mean that you can't garner something from that relationship, right? Yeah. When do they say a broken clock is still right twice a day? Exactly. And what we actually end up doing is the further we try to go away from that behavior, we become rigid and uncompromising. And if our spouse is exhibiting any of the characteristics of the people we're trying not to be like, it creates a lot of chaos and instability in our belief system, in our mind, oh, no, we've got to work towards not being like that. So it creates a lot of conflict there. But actually, at the end of the day, the further you try to move away from it, the further you actually move towards it. And I see a lot of couples who come in who will have this like awful self-realization that, oh, I'm doing the exact same thing my parents did that was not successful because we end up just repeating these patterns over and over again, right? We have to break that cycle. And so if you don't want to have an unsuccessful marriage or you're viewing your poor relationship that your parents had as as your basis for what you don't want to do, it's also important to recognize what you might be contributing to repeating that cycle. So our final myth here is one that really just kind of sums up and culminates all that we've talked to up until this point. It is that only a large change can transform a marriage, right? People think I've got to have this big, massive change in my relationship and, and we're both going to come to this crazy realization and like clouds are going to part and the sun's going to start shining down. In reality, what makes a, a lasting change in a relationship are small steps that we put together. There could be some larger and big things sprinkled in with that, but the, it's sustainability, mm-hmm. the small things that change over time to sustain the big change. I think that there's an assumption, especially with people that come to marriage counseling, that they are going to come in and there's going to be this massive revelation and like they're going to start sobbing and there's going to be this huge breakthrough. And there might be. And that's great when it happens. But I really consider successful marriage counseling when a couple comes in and we start putting things together little by little, week by week or appointment by appointment, and they just start building upon skills. Those are the ones who I see that find this this real long lasting success because they they learn tools, they put them into place. One small step is how you start a race, right? Yeah, I actually agree with that. I, w- I saw that in our own marriage counseling process. Like, even a few years after we went, I remember talking to you one day and I was like, 
So what did we even learn? I know it helped. I remember it helping, but I don't remember any like massive revelation or things. I just remember there were small things that we worked on and you very much brought this up. You're like, yeah, we did this and this and this. And those were small things that contributed to the overall health and, and made changes. And so we've really seen that at work in our own relationship too. And so you've got to understand that it's going to take a series of small steps to find this change because it was a series of small steps that got you here, right? Yeah. Nobody just wakes up one morning and is like, I have a horrendous marriage. Now, there are bad things that can happen. The revelation that your partner had an affair or the, the, the loss of something big in your relationship. But even those things had small precursors that led up to it, right? It's kind of like when you're going to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It took you a while to get to the point where you felt like, okay, I, there's weight that I need to lose. Took you to a point to get to that weight. And so it's not going to magically come off overnight. And it's the same concept when it comes to making changes in your relationship and with marriage counseling. Like if you come in and expect in three sessions you're done, then I have news for you. That's not how it works. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for disappointment, right? I'm, I'm committing to this and only this. And it's the same in our relationship. If we're saying, I need these changes only to happen and they have to be big changes, then you're you're creating unrealistic expectations. Like one bite at a time, that element like we've talked about. One of the things that I tell couples when they come in is that, you know, you've been married five or 10 or 15, 20 years, whatever. It took you five, 10, 15, 20 years to get to this point. It's not going to take us that long to get out of it if you put the work in, but it, you're not going to go home today with everything fixed all of a sudden. Right. There's a lot to unpack and uncover there. Yeah. We've got to get through. So if you start making those small changes, that's going and you see progress with that. That's also going to encourage you to keep going with other small changes. Um, If you're running a race, I know a lot of times we like to focus on the finish line, but take a a step back and take the opportunity to look back and see how far you've come and use that as encouragement to keep going. Because what you're doing is creating an atmosphere where you're making small changes and it's going to give your spouse freedom to make some of the small changes that they need to make too without you controlling them. You're focusing on yourself and making the changes that you need to, and that's a great witness to your spouse. This episode of the Love Lessons Podcast is brought to you by Revive Counseling Center. Revive provides faith-based counseling services to help people find spiritual, emotional, and physical wellness. With multiple in-person locations, as well as convenient online counseling options, Revive Counseling Center has helped countless marriages and individuals find health and healing, allowing people to create fulfilling and thriving relationships reviving hope and restoring lives. Learn more at revivecounseling.org. So I want to talk about this concept of validating and invalidating emotions. We have said that it is important that we validate that someone is having a feeling, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is fact. And so what we need to understand is that there are times and there will be times in every relationship, healthy or, or otherwise, that they will have difference of opinions on if their emotions should have been true or not, yeah. right? And that's one of the things we see in conflict is they shouldn't have felt that way. Well, they did. How do you move forward? Because yeah. that person's going to continue to feel that way and it's going to be different than you. Yeah. And so I want to tell on you a little bit. Here we go. Let me give a, an example here. So um, early on in our marriage, we had um, we had our two, two girls. Um, Haven was a baby. And this particular evening, we were sitting at our house. Um, actually, I was sitting in the living room and it was quiet. The girls were already asleep for the night. Zach actually had went ahead and laid down for the night. Um, he worked two jobs at the time. And so I was the only one awake. And the TV was off, and I was reading on the couch. 
And we had a couch and a love seat that kind of like made an L shape. And so I was sitting on the couch and I was reading my book. It was really quiet and I was being really still except for turning my pages. Well, as I was sitting there turning the pages of my book out of the corner of my eye, I saw something moving on the arm of the love seat. And about the time that I looked up to see what it was, I saw a mouse jump from the arm of the love seat onto me sitting on the couch. And I screamed and it got scared and then it jumped off of me. And it actually left a little bit of like a little scratch on my foot where it jumped and it scurried away and whatnot. And so I just sat there frozen and no one came and checked on me after this scream. And so then I yelled, Zach! And no one came and checked on me after that scream. And so I remember I yelled for you a couple of times and you came out all groggy and you were like, what? And so then I proceeded to tell you that a mouse had jumped on me, had been on our furniture and it had jumped on me and then it had scratched me. Yeah. And your response was, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah. And to this day, to this day, guys, nearly 14 years later, yes, I still want to know what you want me to do about it. To this day, Zach thinks that I was being dramatic. Now, mind you, if a spider is anywhere in our house, no matter the size of it, it is my responsibility yes, to kill it. you have to be the man. So let's talk about how you have your own things that you're fearful and or do not care for. We have our roles that we play. And I'm not like scared of mice, but I also didn't want one to like jump on me, you know, and right. I didn't want to get like rabies from a mouse scratch. I don't think sure. that's how it works, but whatever. But to this day, he still thinks that I was being dramatic, yeah. over dramatic, and that yeah. it wasn't a big deal. And so my emotion is it was absolutely a big deal. Why did you not care and or come take care of me? And, and I'm not sure what your thoughts, I mean, I think that are. it's now like evolved to this whole thing that it's not even about the mouse at this point. It's that I Why want you, you to care. Me? Right. Why didn't you love me enough? Right. It, did you care that I almost got eaten by this tiny mouse? Right. To exactly. the point where even our girls know this story and they give dad a hard time yeah. about the fact that he didn't save mom and or care that it was a big deal that she almost died from this mouse. You know, what's funny is that it's not that it's not a big deal. Like had it happened to me, I totally would have freaked oh, yeah. out. It's just that it's become this thing now. And so, like, I'm just indignant at this point. I don't care. You're indignant that it doesn't matter. Right. Mm, thank you. I appreciate but that. But I will admit, here in front of God and everybody okay. on the Love Lessons podcast, it was a big deal. So I, you're going to have to go back and listen to this over and over again because I will never <laughs> say it again. I do feel validated, though. That does make me feel better. You're welcome. Today's love note is a simple reminder to offer grace and kindness, especially in those times of hardship and struggle. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul reminds us of several ways that we are to show grace and kindness to other people and list specific attitudes and behaviors for Christians. And so in Romans chapter 12, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, it says, Love one another, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Some other versions say, Outdo one another in honor. Make that your life's mission. How can I outdo my spouse in showing them honor and grace? That's more than a Facebook post. It's more than just bragging on them. What can I do today to let my spouse know they are loved and valued? So as we close today, this is just a reminder to submit your dirty laundry to us. That's right. Send your burning marriage questions to us on Facebook. Send us a message at our Love Lessons page or shoot us an email at hello at lovelessons.fm. And starting in episode seven, we'll start talking about those. Now, 
get a little group together and see what we can do. Good stuff. All right. We will see you next time. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Love Lessons Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.